Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor. I'm taking your calls and your questions. The number to dial is 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. That number works wherever you are in the United States. Uh, You would have to dial the appropriate digits if you wanted to call from out of the country. Uh, And this is the show where if you call, we will take your question, your prayer request. We will take what's on your mind on the air, live radio. Uh, Unless at the beginning of the show there was a, a statement that said, that this is an encore presentation. You are live up and down the front range here in Colorado on the Grace FM radio network, which basically uh, con- consists of two full-power radio stations, one here in the Denver metro area that reaches from Cheyenne, Wyoming. Uh, shout out to all of you listening in Cheyenne, uh, all the way down uh, south of Castle Rock, And then when you get south of Castle Rock, you need to uh, change the dial to our other station that reaches most of Colorado Springs, even some of it down into Pueblo West. Uh, That's 101.7 down south. So if you're listening on the Grace FM radio network, this is live. Give me a call, 303-690-3000. And if you're listening on Hope FM or Truth FM, welcome, welcome. There's just a slight difference for you guys, and that is you are hearing this program one week delayed. That means what you're hearing today was live last week. But don't let that concern you, because as you're listening, it sounds live. And anytime the program's on, you can call, just like it's live. We'll answer your question. Uh, We will talk on the air. And then you guys have have a cool thing where you can then tune in next week. Lord willing, and you'll be able to heal yourself on the radio. Now, of course, anybody can listen to these programs later. We po- we podcast Calvary Live. That means if you subscribe to the podcast, you can get all five days of this broadcast. Uh, we do a pretty good job of podcasting them pretty quickly, uh, but maybe a week or so or less. Um, but you can go on wherever you get podcast and you can subscribe to Calvary Live. Uh, that would include the shows hosted by my friend Jeff Figs, uh, my friend Nick Cady, uh, and any of the brothers uh, that fill in while we are gone and traveling. Like this week, Pastor Nick is actually in, I saw on his Facebook, or not Facebook, I'm not on Facebook, on his Instagram, that he's teaching at a conference in Austria, at the Castle in Austria. And I have fond memories of the castle in Austria, as that was one of the that was one of the best conferences both I attended and had the privilege of teaching at. And what an amazing, amazing place it is! 
that God had entrusted to Pastor Chuck, uh, and Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa now oversees it, uh, and they're having the conference right now, and that's where Nick is. So I think we have a guest this Friday filling in for Nick, uh, Pastor Jason Vandeveer, who is here in Parker, Colorado. So a lot of going on. Tonight, tonight here at Calvary Church, we're in Aurora, Colorado. We are studying verse by verse the book of Daniel. We'll be back into Daniel today, starting a new chapter, chapter 8, uh, and getting into the meat of the prophecies and the dreams and visions that God had given to Daniel. And, and we're told specifically that these visions and dreams were for the latter times. And so it didn't have just significance for the success of kingdoms when Daniel wrote then, or looking ahead for Daniel, but also to the end of the age, into the end of the book of Revelation, into the time of the revived Roman Empire, into the time of the a great tribulation period, uh, the time where God will turn his attention back to the nation of Israel and fulfill his promises directly to him, to them. Very, very exciting. If you want more information on God's heart for the nation of Israel, it's going to be airing uh, here very soon on our radio broadcast, Abounding Grace, because we're studying verse by verse through the book of Romans. Uh, but it, it, if you don't want to wait, download our free app. Just go to your app store, whatever, however you get your apps. Put in the name Ed Taylor in the Apple pop-up. Download it. It's free. Turn on notifications. And then go right to Romans and start studying Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11, which lay out a new covenant understanding of God's heart for Israel that, that really seals everything that's been taught to us throughout the Old Testament. So great stuff. Come out tonight, 7 o'clock. Uh, more information on our church, Calvary CO. That stands for Colorado. CalvaryCO.church. CalvaryCO.church. Or you can go to my website, edtaylor.org. All our studies are posted there as well. edtaylor.org. Don't go to .com. I put in .com today by accident. And a huge old Santa Claus is there. And I don't own the .com. I wish I did, but I don't. He's owned it ever since I've looked for it for the last 20 years. And he's like a super professional Santa Claus. I'm not. I am a pastor here in Colorado. And that's what God has me doing, and I'm grateful for it. All right, we're going to go to Fort Collins, right to the phone lines. Anna is waiting. Welcome to the program. Hey, Anna, Hello. you're on the air. Hi. Hi, what Hello. can I do for you? I wanted to know whether or not if you are in a homosexual uh, relationship or marriage and you claim you're a Christian and uh, you, know, you, you say that you believe, and, and you do wholeheartedly, if they die, will they go to heaven? That's a great question. Um, I can't say that definitively in relationship to the, any particular person you're describing, but I can think of a couple of principles from the Bible. Uh, number one, it's very possible for a believer to be in a backslidden condition and find themselves in a place of rebellion and sin, and I believe God would take that into account. Yeah. However, however, I would, also, I would also strongly exhort anyone listening that might find themselves in that particular position that there's a particular word that is very important to watch out for in our lives. 
uh, because when you let, let's ask the let's ask the question a different way. Uh, let's say, um, Ed, if you say you're a believer and you you say you love God with all your heart and you are hopping seven days a week, you you have sexual uh, relations with a different person seven days a week. Mm-hmm. Would you still go to? Would that person still go to heaven? Right. And and you what you're describing is a challenging situation from a biblical perspective because the Bible speaks about practicing lawlessness. Uh, Jesus said that in Matthew chapter 13, verse 41. He said, the Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and those who practice lawlessness. Um, In John chapter 3, verse 20, it says, for everyone practicing evil hates the light, and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. And I'm thinking also from the uh, Holy Spirit speaking through uh, Paul to the Corinthians. Uh, he says, uh, and he puts a whole list of things, and we need to be mm-hmm. careful that we use the whole list. In Galatians mm-hmm. 5, the works of the flesh are evident, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, and the like of which I told you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Okay. Practicing, to me, is the key. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not, not, not just dabbling in them. Or you know, We all sin. The Bible says that. It's very clear. We don't need the Bible to say that. We know it to be true right. um, in our own practice. But, but the Bible, nonetheless, declares us all to be sinners. And the word practice literally means a continued mm-hmm. act that is continually, habitually, and repeatedly is the original Greek language. So a person that's living in any kind of sin, repeatedly, mm-hmm. continually, habitually, mm-hmm. I am going to preach the gospel to them and beg them to stop practicing sin. Right. And, and so back to the original question, mm-hmm. a person that knows that they're sinning, uh, and knows that they're practicing sin, uh, I'm going to come to them with the same love and encouragement, but I'm also going to say, how is it that you know what the Bible says, and yet you choose to practice a sinful lifestyle? And I mean, let, let's let be very, very clear. That includes mm-hmm. a bank robber. Sure. If I was visiting someone in the prison, uh, that includes a liar, a habitual liar. That right. includes a habitual gossip. Um, mm-hmm. Anyone that fills that category of repeatedly, continually, and habitually, I'm going to beg them to stop because okay. that behavior is a, is a danger sign, for at least because we don't know people's hearts. I don't know people's hearts. I just right. know their actions. And I've adopted a practice over the years uh, to, if you say you're a believer, I will treat you and hold you accountable as a believer. If you say you're a believer and you're living like an unbeliever, I will treat you like an unbeliever and preach the gospel to you. Uh, mm-hmm. And if you say you're an unbeliever and you're living like an unbeliever, I'm going to preach. So either way, I'm going to take the situation and I'm going to point that person to the holiness and righteousness of God's desire for their life. Right. Okay. Well, that was my question. I appreciate your help. Well, thanks for calling. God bless Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000 is the number. 303-690-3000. Um, uh, Frank, do we have any other calls? 
I'm reading your note here, and I don't know if there's anyone waiting. 303-690-3000 is the number. Uh, oh, okay, so this is this is Anna in mm. Fort Collins. Hello. Anna, welcome to the program. Hi, thank you for having me. You're welcome. Okay, so uh, my question is kind of, I heard a man, um, and he's gay, and he was giving, I guess, apologetics for why um, the Bible says that it is okay to be gay. Um, okay. Which kind of, you know, wanted I kind of wanted to just search the Bible for different things that he was saying. Um, okay. And one thing he said was that in First Corinthians, I think it's eleven verses thirteen through fifteen, um, he said that the same word "shameful" used for you know the head covering and the hair and stuff like that. That same sure. word is used in um, the Romans one passage where. Um, you know, where it speaks about homosexuality. Um, okay. He was basically con- comparing the two and saying that since we don't really do head covering thing, I mean, most people don't anymore, then, you know, it's kind of in oh. the same boat as homosexuality, which sure. I don't really agree with, but I just kind of wanted... You're right. Yeah, I just kind of wanted your insight on that. Well, your apologist is making a category. He's making an error with categories. So when we come to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we're talking about head covering is in the context of 1 Corinthians chapter, or excuse me, we're talking about head coverings in the context of first century Corinthian church. And the first Corinthian, uh, or the Corinthian church in the first century, I've got it all, I'm quoting the Bible, uh, had, a, had an issue, the city had an issue with temple prostitutes, uh, women that would, and some men, that would descend into the city um, noticeably a prostitute um, by by their by how they wore their hair or whether they had hair they would even shave their head and so the when when Paul is writing to the Corinthians he's giving them a very specific uh, admonition that they would know exactly what he meant and what would be categorized shameful? Because if it would be shameful for a woman to, a, a believing woman that came out of that lifestyle to continue to identify with that lifestyle, prostitution. And so that word shameful is exactly what it means in that context. When we come back to Romans chapter 1, we're talking to another, another city that is um, very um, debauched and very filled with sin, and he calls homosexuality and many other things also shameful. So they're both shameful. However, they're in different categories. So the argument that he's making actually has no weight to it because they're both declared shameful. There's no doubt about, there's no, um, you know, in verse six, there's no uh, question about it. This is First Corinthians. I'm looking at it. Chapter 11, verse six. Uh, no question. The word shameful is used. It's called indecent. The word literally means in the Greek indecent, indecorous, dishonorable, it talks of an inappropriate conduct of an elder in the local church in, in Titus chapter 1, verse 11. I mean, it's used all throughout the scriptures. Yeah. And so whenever we're looking at words, we need to remember context. So what was happening in Corinth was shameful. What's happening in Romans chapter 1 is shameful. What's happening in Titus chapter 1, verse 11 is shameful. They're all shameful. Here's the category mistake that he makes. Okay. When it comes to moral character issues of God, the unchanging morality of God. For example, if sexual sin was 
a sin from the beginning of time. Did God ever change his mind on sexual sin? Yes or no? No. Why? Because he doesn't change. He doesn't change. Now, when it comes to head coverings and the first century Corinthian church, did God change his mind on head coverings for the first century Corinthian church? Um, I would say yes. What do you think? I would say no, he hasn't. The Bible stands as it says. He hasn't okay. changed his mind on the Corinthian church in the first century at all. Okay, okay. You that and I sense. are not in the first century Corinthian church, so therefore that cultural admonition has to be applied into our lives. And there are still very indecent, dishonorable things that we could do within the context of, uh, uh, for example, if, uh, you know, the you know how in a very, uh, what's the word I want to, exaggerated way how a prostitute might dress. For a mm-hmm. woman to come into church like that to worship, that would still be, that would still be shameful today. It's just a different application. Um, it okay. would still be indecent. It would still be indecorous. And so what happens, what happens is that a person up on the stage can talk really fast and make a compelling argument, but he actually made no argument at all. And not only mm-hmm. that, he failed he failed to make the distinction between the character and the morality of God that never changes and the circumstances by which we relate to the character of God, that changes. Uh, it changes all the time uh, mm-hmm. because we're in a different cultural context. And so things are different for us than they are first century. So whether a woman comes in with head coverings or not is not as significant as it was in, first, in the first century Corinth because yeah. we don't have a idolatrous temple with prostitutes coming out at night that shave their heads. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Now, I would encourage you to go to our to download the app because I made this I made this this argument in a different place because another place that is often cited by those that want to make a apologetic for homosexuality no longer being a sin. First and first of all, if anyone, if you ever talk, go to one of these apologetic gatherings or someone's making that in a debate and saying that it was and it's not now, uh, they can't make that argument. If it ever was, then it always is. Does that yeah. make sense? If God yeah. is, has ever, and so they, they, they go to different links to say, well, you know, then, then homosexuality in Leviticus is uh, forbidden along the lines of using different fibers in your clothing. So can we not use different fibers in our clothing? Once again, they fail to make the distinction between the morality of God and the practicality of, a, of what God was wanting to do in causing the children of Israel to be separate from the idolatrous nations. So the whole point of forbidding fornication. So for example, if I had a chance to talk to that, that young man, I would say, are you saying it's okay from God's perspective, for a man to have sexual relations with 10 different women in a, in a week and then go home to his wife on Sunday. If they, if they make a moral statement on that based on the Bible, then they have to use that same moral statement across the board for every sinful behavior. Mm, okay. So if okay. you go to our app and put in the search bar... Uh, homosexuality. I did that. I, I explained this in the Leviticus passage. I also explained this in the Samuel passage, because remember, Samuel and David, or excuse me, David and Jonathan um, are used as an example by some in the homosexual community of being uh, biblical 
uh, men of God that God approved of their homosexual marriage. And I actually titled the message, David and Jonathan were not homosexuals. And I made a, I believe, an extremely yeah. strong biblical case for what God has declared to be right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Could you pray? You're welcome. Just because, um, I was going to a small group, and I actually, a part it's a part of this, but I actually just found out that one of the leaders um, is gay. So okay. I'm kind of, you know, thinking about leaving the group, which is kind of hard. So just... Is it attached to a church that approves of that behavior? It's a college ministry, so there's okay. many different churches, but... Sure. Um, yeah, so... Okay, let me pray for you. Okay. Father, I pray for Anna, and I pray for many of the other um, young men and women on college campuses that are navigating through the... Um, the real thick, deep waters of our culture. And I'm grateful for a question like this that would allow us to talk through the nuances, not only of what your word says, but how do we deliver it to a culture that doesn't want to receive it? Or even, uh, as our earlier caller was, um, you know, saying I'm a Christian, but deliberately practicing sin, whatever it might be, deliberately living in sin always concerns me. So I pray for Anna, Lord, Lord, as you lead her and guide her, uh, that you would strengthen her and fill her with the power of your Holy Spirit to make this decision in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Call back and let me know how it goes, okay? Is it Anna or Anna? It's Anna. Okay, I'll get it right next time. Thank you. (laughs) It's okay. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000. Got a text question real quick here. Have a friend who wants her brother to attend a Calvary church in Orlando. Is there one you recommend? There is one I recommend. It's called Reach Orlando. Reach Orlando. And what I know it's not Cal Calvary, but a lot of Calvaries these days are not Cal Calvary. Uh, Reach Orlando. Let me look it up here just to make sure I give you uh, the right website. Uh, And... Um, I have a couple of very good friends in, I mean, I have a lot of good friends in Florida, but this, the Reach uh, name has been adopted uh, by them. Uh, one of my friends is in Jacksonville. Uh, his name is Eric Souza. And another, this one in, um, in, let me, ah, for some reason it's not coming up. So let me, let me see, make sure. Uh, here we go. It's reachorlando.us reachorlando.us, and my uh, pastor friend is Adam. Uh, They both came from Calvary Chapel in Tucson, Arizona, and uh, you will be very safe attending that church. Reach Orlando. 303-690-3000. Let's go to line one in Parker. Is is it Valeria? Hi. Thank you, Pastor, for taking my call. (laughs) You're welcome. Can you pronounce your name for me? Yeah, it's Valeria. Valeria, good. Okay, what's up? What can I do for you? Awesome. I just had a question in regards to baptism. Um, I got saved at the age of 19 at a church um, back in Florida, in Orlando, actually. (laughs) It's funny you mentioned Orlando. Um, Uh And um, they promoted baptism. I actually left the church because of this. Um, They promoted baptism to be... um, kind of the only way to be saved, and they were baptizing people who were truly not ready and not, um, like, acknowledging what they were doing, you know. Um, So 
because of because the Bible says um, if you're not baptized, you won't be um, you won't be saved. So that is my question because I know that there are some people that um, hear the word of God and they are born in spirit once they hear the word, but you know, compared to a person that has been baptized but they haven't been born in spirit, what you know, who is well, saved let's talk about in that? that. In that scenario. Let's think yeah. that through. What passage of Scripture are you referring to where you you think the Bible says a person isn't saved unless they're water baptized? Um, I'm, I'm not particularly sure where it is, but I know Jesus said it. Um, and I think he was talking to the um, the teacher who came at him, who came to him at night, and told him about. Um, being born again. Born again. Right. Um, yes. And he mentioned that um, those who are not born again would not enter the kingdom born. of God. And um, and he said of, of born again of water and spirit. And that's yes. what they would refer to all the time okay. back at the old so church. So that would, be, um, that would be a misunderstanding of what Jesus taught. So let's think of mm-hmm. it a different way before I get to the answer. In your mind, if a person responds, let's say you're sharing the gospel with your boss at work, and your boss says, I, I, this is exactly, uh, I, I can't believe this is happening. This is exactly what I needed, what I wanted. I want to receive Jesus Christ right now, right here in my office. Would you pray with me? And you pray with your boss, and your boss is there crying, repentant, asking for the forgiveness of their sins, surrendered. Then, then you, they send you back to work, and you come back an hour, and your boss is reading the Bible and claims to follow Jesus, believing in him, that he lived, died, and rose again. Do you think that he's not saved until he gets baptized? Or do you believe that's no, real I, salvation in his office? I personally believe that he is saved. Um, I just, I, I, this is a question I've had Good. for so long. No, that's because great. Because I know that... Yeah, I know that baptism I, is kind of like you're declarating so yeah, that Jesus so is let me, Lord. Let me answer then, because I wanted to paint that picture, because I agree with you, and I think we both agree with the Bible. The Bible teaches that believers are to be water baptized. So uh-huh. water is not the mechanism by which a man is saved or a woman is saved. Water is simply a person's obedience only believers should get water baptized. Unbelievers, water baptism means nothing. It means absolutely mm-hmm. nothing to them. All they're doing is getting wet in a, some kind of spiritual context. Uh, it means nothing. So when, when you have the command of Jesus to be baptized, go into all the world, make disciples, and then what does he say with the disciples? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Baptism, according to Romans, is an outward testimony of a believer. And because we, we are believers, water baptism doesn't save a person ever, never, ever. Only the blood of Jesus Christ provides the forgiveness of sin in a person's life. And that common in John chapter 3, I would encourage you again, like I mentioned earlier to one of the callers, uh, go to, or to Anna, you know, go to get the, get the app, um, go download our free app, and then look up the message on John chapter 3, You Must Be Born Again, I think is what I titled it. And I explain exactly okay. what Jesus, what I believe Jesus means, but there is nowhere in the Bible whatsoever that requires baptism in order to be saved. 
Uh, that would make it a work. And Titus said, we are not saved by works of righteousness. None. Zero. It's all God and zero wow. you and me. I see. Thank you, Patrick, for clearing that up. Um, You're welcome. I yeah, mean, that's a great that's... question, and there's a lot of confusion around it, um, but that yeah. doesn't need to be. Absolutely. I was actually water baptized when I was um, a baby, like all uh-huh. Catholics. <laughs> and, um, sure. yeah, I came to realize that um, I needed to actually accept Jesus into my life about the age of 19. So I, that's great. I agreed with that. Um, yeah. So thank you for answering my question. Um, my last question was in regards to the text line. Can you repeat that phone number for me? 720-336-0897. Okay. Thank you. Okay, you hear the music. We'll be right back. This is Calvary Live. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome back, everyone, to today's edition of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor, taking your calls and your questions, 303-690-3000, as And as was requested, the text line is 720-336-0897. Open lines, open lines, open lines are available. Let's go over to Christopher and Thornton. Christopher, welcome to the program. Yes, uh, Pastor, and I appreciate you taking my call. Um, I wanted to let you know, first of all, my son made a comment uh, this week uh, regarding you. He's in fourth grade. His name's Joshua, and he Uh said that uh, even a fourth grader can understand uh, you make things so simple. Well, that is a great compliment. Tell him thank you for me. Yeah, he. I stepped out of the car, so he's listening. Um, oh, great! Right on. Okay, what can um, I do for you? The the question was in reference to uh, the prior call where you were talking about that God never changes yesterday, yes. today, or forever, and you mentioned right. the practicality referencing uh, the the fabrics and the cloth. My question in reference to all of that, practically, um, how, how how do you um, apply those ideas referencing the, the the Jews that believe that there were things that were not allowed to be eaten, and then God said, uh, you know, uh, don't call unclean what I've made clean. Right. I think that the, the way to approach this is to understand the context. So, for example, if you and I were, if you and I were le- uh, Jewish uh, Jewish men leaving Egypt, going into the Promised Land, the dietary laws would still apply to us if we were living thousands of years ago. That hasn't changed. Uh, that God meant it. It is established, and it didn't change. However, you and I are not those Jewish people living in the three, 4,000 years ago. You and I are Gentiles. You're a Gentile, right? Yeah. <laughs> so you and I are a Gentile living in the New Covenant. So in the New Covenant, these, those laws don't apply to us. They haven't changed. They've been superseded. It's sort of like, um, I just talked about this in the book of Hebrews. As a matter of fact, we're teach, we're t- I'm teaching verse by verse through Hebrews right now, 
uh, Hebrews, I should say, and we talked about this. When a plane takes off from the airport, does does gravity no longer apply to that plane? Hmm. The answer is, of course it does. Gravity is going to apply. Right. Gravity doesn't change. So if gravity doesn't change, then how can a plane fly? Yeah, and the answer I, I, the answer to that is it's su- they've entered into another plane that or another level that supersedes the law of gravity. So gra- gravity still exists; it hasn't changed. But because of the law of ther- thermodynamics, I, I you know I don't know all those. I'm not an expert in that area. But whatever the the expert engineers do to make a plane fly doesn't doesn't get rid of the law of gravity. It supersedes it, and that's what the new covenant does. It replaces what took place and what's still uh, in effect to this day. It's still in effect, except that it's not because we've passed. In linear time, we've passed that time. So I'll put it a simpler way. Uh, Your son is in fourth grade, right? Yeah. Do you still put a diaper on him before he goes to school? No, but if I may (laughs) ask a a secondary question. (laughs) That's good, but... So in that, but yeah. was was I'm there listening. a time in his life when diapers were the absolute for him? Yeah. Would would there ever? And let's separate it. Not talk about him in particular. But could there ever be another time when diapers will be necessary? Uh, possibly. So that, possibly, I I agree. So so the the reality <coughs> of the need for that diaper hasn't changed, but the situation has changed. Therefore, it's no longer applicable. It still exists. It's just not applicable. So what's your follow-up with that? Um, My follow-up question is I've talked to um, some Hasidic Jews in the past and expressed to them the scriptures regarding, you know, food does not commend us to God. And um, I believe it's in Hebrews. I haven't looked at that in a long time, but... Uh, all, all the scriptures kind of around that idea. Now, people that take upon themselves to take these traditional customs, if you will, uh, believing that you know food will con- commend them to you know that to God, if you will. Um, what's your thoughts on that in relation to well, what you're you, saying? We've got to make a. I think we've got to make a distinction. So let's let's develop a couple of categories here. There is a category of people that view the dietary restrictions or recommendations in the Bible as something valuable, something healthy, and they want to adopt them into their lives. I'm fully supportive of that. Anyone that wants to uh, stay away from pork, they want to be careful with certain foods because in Leviticus it gives that instruction to old covenant Jews. If someone wants to adopt those into their life, I have no problem for that. However, the second category is kind of the way you asked. If someone adopts different dietary restrictions that are biblically based and wants to adopt them in a way that is contrary to what the Bible, like if they want to re-eat a certain way because they think that's commendable to God, then they are in disobedience, not for the food that they eat, but for why. And that's really the heart of the matter. They can eat whatever they want. That's what the Bible says. So if they want to eat everything, great. If Or like Paul said in Romans, they want to eat meat, great. They don't want to eat meat, great. Doesn't matter. Um... They can eat however they want. 
the motive of eating is what's most important. And if their motive is, well, because I'm better than you and I'm more commendable to God than you are, or even something um, directly in contrast to what the Bible teaches, then that's sinful. That, that's, there's no question about that. But if somebody wants to adopt a different diet for their own health and they want it, it's biblically based, they want to take it and say, this is how I want to live my life health-wise, no problem. Um, just to solidify in my mind, you mentioned um, the, the Egyptian food diet previously. Why, why did God start that in the first place? Separation. You know, the whole idea of God and His people is that we would be, including New Covenant believers, a separated people. Uh, there, they, you know, in the uh, Old Covenant days, there were no OSHA standards. There, I mean, if you cook, if you eat today undercooked pork, you're going to get sick. You could even die. Uh, and God was incredibly wise in giving instructions to this, primarily to this group of people that have lived their entire lives in slavery in Egypt, not having you, not having resources and utensils. And God is separating a people from Himself. And there's even a greater reason, and that is He is separating a people to Himself for the purpose of bringing Messiah through those separated people. And so every restriction in the diet had a personal uh, benefit, but it more importantly reflected the character and the nature of God in wanting to bring forth Messiah, wanting to bring an usher, and it was always, 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 always on God's heart to bring Messiah to those who desperately need him. Well, I I appreciate you answering all my questions, and I know Joshua uh, thanks you as well. Oh, right on. Thanks. God bless you guys. Thank you. All right, bye-bye. Great questions, and and these are questions along the lines of category questions. Uh, We we are, uh, in our theology, we are dispensational, and a dispensational theology is that we believe that God, and as an unchanging God, has dealt with people differently in different time periods. Now, what I mean differently is that the, the... uh, the the response and the relationship with God is different by our particular worship. I mean, I'm trying to be as simple as I can. But dispensation just means time period. And even those that would say we're not dispensational, we are. We have other forms of theology when we look at the overarching plan of God. Even those that aren't dispensationalist believe in at least two dispensations. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Any person that reads the Bible believes in at least two. The first one is known as the Old Covenant. The second one is known as the New Covenant. And if you're a believer listening in right now, you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are. You consider yourself a Christian, I guarantee that you are not bringing an animal to your church service to be sacrificed for the shedding of blood for the forgiveness of your sins. You don't do that now. You've never done it, and you never will. Why? Because you don't live in the old dispensation. You live in the new covenant. And in the new covenant, Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God once and for all. He has taken away sin once and for all. And we no longer worship through the sacrificial system because Jesus Christ fulfilled the sacrificial system once and for all. And the categories are very important to make a distinction. 
So it's, well, wait a minute, Ed. God changed because now he deals with people differently. Actually, he hasn't changed. He's dealing with us exactly as he had predicted. He hasn't changed. We are not the, uh, the people of Israel coming out of Egypt, no longer uh, bound to the Levitical laws. We have been set free, and God intended it to be so. He hasn't changed. We've changed in the overarching plan of God. All right, let's move on. That's a great question. They're all flowing together today. Nick in Aurora, Colorado. Nick, welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Ed. Hey. Uh, just had a question for you. Um, okay. I'm unequally yoked with somebody. Okay. Basically, it's a friendship, but I'm just confused in the sense that I don't want to give up on her. I pray okay. for her, but I know I shouldn't be with her. But what what is your advice when what, it comes? To what this? makes you What makes you say that you're unequally yoked? What about the relationship yokes you together with her? Well, we have feelings for each other. Um, okay. We've stated, and like I said, I understand. I, I know I shouldn't be with somebody like her because she, again, she doesn't. She's not a Christian. Um, okay. But I, I just was wondering if you could give me advice on this, please. Well, the way that you describe it, it sounds like you guys need to have a couple of conversations. Uh, one conversation, mm -hmm. I think the most important one, is what are her objections to following Jesus Christ? Uh, mm -hmm. Why is it, as of today, she refuses to repent and receive the forgiveness of her sins from Jesus? Uh, those are that's an important conversation to have with her. That's the most important conversation, and it may take a couple conversations to really develop that. Um, because if she can, if she answers, "I don't want anything to do with your religion. I don't like Jesus," then my advice to you is to change the status of this relationship back to a friendship that isn't progressing toward anything else. But rather, it's okay. It's not unbiblical to have unbelieving friends. It's not unbiblical to have people that don't know Jesus in your friend zone, uh, in your friend circle. Obviously, she's going to pose a little bit of challenge for you because you have feelings for her. But I do believe that once you, once you define the relationship, um, she also will uh, participate in defining the relationship. And either A, she won't want it, or B, she, you may be surprised and she surrenders her life to Jesus. But that's the most important part. God has brought you two together as friends. There's nothing unbiblical about that. I mean, obviously, you have to be careful with any friendship, but there's nothing uh, forbidden to have a friend that's not a believer. But the reason we have friends that are not believers is so that we can love them and serve them. We can encourage them, and through our lifestyle and our words, we can share the gospel with them. Okay. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> like I do know this. If, 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 you, if, your, if your relationship progresses and you end mm -hmm. up getting married to an unbeliever, it will be a painful process. And I've got plenty of people I can ha put in contact with you who okay. are living unequally yoked relationships that are it's a very hard life to live. Okay. Um, okay. Even the biblical, you know, I know you're not even down this road, but, you know, what? look what Solomon, look what happened to Solomon. His many wives turned his heart against God. And you don't need many wives to do that. They were all unbelievers. You don't need many wives. You could just you can have one person turn your heart away from God. And I know you can't even possibly think about that ever happening. But God's uh -huh. warnings are for a reason. Okay. 
Okay. That's, that's a lot. Um, and, I, and like I told you, I, I understand, um, and I don't want to go that way. But like I said, it's just a matter of, I don't know, should I give up completely? Should I continue? And then, but I think you, you answered a lot of what I was, you know, really worrying about lately. Um, and, oops. I mean, depending on, depending on the relationship, I, I don't think giving up completely uh, on, now let me be clear, giving up completely on loving this person unconditionally in the name of Jesus, if if your motive is to save her so that you can get married, then you want to clear that up. You 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 want to love her more than she loves you, and you want to love mm-hmm. her with the eyes of Jesus, unconditional agape love, and you want to think of her more highly than yourself. And that's mm-hmm. why I don't think abandoning, I don't think dumping people and abandoning them is God's will. Like, he's obviously put us in there. there. Now, there are on occasion that possibility where we have to avoid false teachers. We have to avoid... There's a lot of things we shouldn't be hanging around with, but the way you describe your relationship, it may just need to be redefined so that it doesn't progress toward anything more intimate or you'll... or Unless she gets saved, and the, or you'll regret it. I promise you that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, thank you, Pastor Ed. I, I appreciate that. That... Uh, um that that helps me a lot. I have a, a little more guidance to go by than than what I had calling, uh, before this call. Well, you're welcome, Nick. Can I pray for you? Yes, sir. Thank you, Father. I pray for Nick as he has a lot more to consider and pray over, and I appreciate God bringing good people into his life. Even though uh, right now this this gal doesn't have a relationship with you, uh, her surrender to you is more important than any future relationship. So we pray for her. Uh, we pray that you would use Nick in a way as he stands for what is right. Not not like self-righteously and put his foot down, but just being a godly, honorable man that lives his convictions and lives out his convictions in a gentle, caring, yet firm way. Would you enable him and strengthen him as he seeks your face? And I know that you said that anyone that seeks you will be found. And so I look forward to hearing how you lead my brother in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Ed. All right, God bless you. God bless you too. All right, bye-bye. All right, we've got a question coming through on text that's a pretty common one. It says, my wife wants to change church homes because she says she's not being fed. I feel as though I am being fed just fine and am quite involved in our current church. However, I also want to support her in her walk, so should I entertain going to another church and starting new? Well, leaving churches is no small decision, and it's not to be looked upon, I believe, as like switching malls to shop at or switching supermarkets. This is a serious, significant decision and that my personal conviction is is that we shouldn't leave churches unless the Lord tells us to, like he leads us out, that it's it's really not for us with this, uh, and again, I'm not speaking that your wife is feeling this way necessarily, but this idea of being a consumer and what does the church have to offer me, I want to be in the church that God wants me in because he knows best. Um, now, in in your question, it seems that you guys are not in agreement and to me, that's the biggest issue. The biggest issue is you're not in agreement. And then the question is, why aren't you in agreement? What is it? What, what is the foundation of 
you know, what is the foundation of her, uh, of why she thinks she's not being fed? Uh, is it a church that doesn't teach the Bible? That would be a concern. Is it a church that doesn't, and I don't mean use the Bible, I mean teach the Bible. Because there, I think most churches, not all, but most churches use the Bible. They might use a verse here and there. There might be Bibles in the pews. But very, very few churches these days are actually teaching the Bible, all of it, the whole thing from beginning to end, not little catchy series. And I'm not opposed to those. I, I teach series sometimes myself. Um, but I, I, you, you know by now that I am a million percent committed to expository teaching of the Bible. I believe it. the Word of God is, the gospel is the very power of God unto salvation for all those who believe, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. I believe, like Paul, that we as a pastor have a responsibility not to, to hold back anything, but to give the whole counsel of God, like Paul said. I believe, like Jesus gave us the, the pattern when he was walking with the men on the road to Emmaus, that starting from Genesis all the way to the end of Malachi, he taught them the Bible and how it related to him. And so I believe in gospel-centered, expository teaching that points to Jesus Christ. And, and nobody's ever going to talk me out of that, ever, 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 ever. I've experienced the power of that, and many other people have experienced the power of Bible study. So we have to wonder, is your church teaching the Bible? And is, it, is your pastor going through the Bible? So I think because God has called you to the particular church, you both together should make an appointment with the pastor to talk through these things. And your pastor is going to do one of two things. Uh, he's going to help you guys sort it out and become in unity, or he's going to... Well, I mean, I guess he could do a lot of different things, uh, but that will give you a test. Is it possible to leave a church and not be fed? Yes. Uh, I've had people leave our church and say, oh, I'm not being fed anymore. Well, I, okay. Go to a church where you are fed. But this is a little uh, difficult. And, and, you know, usually it's a husband that um, almost always it's a guy that studies the Bible and loves all the Greek and the Hebrew. And because personally, I don't emphasize a lot of that. There's like, oh, I don't, I'm not getting fed. But I have another theory about being fed. And being fed is not sitting in a church receiving a Bible study. I believe being fed is doing, not receiving. It's doing. Remember, uh, even in the book of Revelation, we have this threefold blessing in the book of Revelation about whoever hears, um, whoever hears the words of this book um, and whoever... Let me get to it. Uh, let me pull it up here. Um, blessed are those, in verse 3, blessed is he who reads and those who hear and keep those things that are written in the book of Revelation. I think that's a pattern for everything. So again, it's a little deeper than a text question, but talking to your pastor, and, and I wonder, are you guys, one more thing, are you guys reading together? Are you praying together? Are you talking about the Word of God together? Are you talking about it on the way home together? Um, because I think that this issue is a little deeper than just what church you go to, although it could be an indication uh, that you that a new church might be in store. If they're not teaching the Bible, I'll tell you to go to another church. Um, whether you're involved or not, you need to be in a place where the Bible is taught and transforming your life. 
303-690-3000. We're going to go to Pat to Pat on line three. Pat in Greeley, Colorado. Pat, welcome to the program. Hey, Pastor Ed, thank you. You're um, welcome. I, I, I heard a, a, um, a sermon where I, I'm just interested in your take on it. Okay. Um, be, and it, it derives from the questions that you were just answering on the air about the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Uh, okay. By the way, that was really interesting. Okay. He he said we're no longer bound by the old covenant, and that's pretty much what you are saying. We're yes. now in a new covenant, and he says Correct. therefore we're not bound to the Ten Commandments anymore. Okay. But he said, however, those commandments were carried over by Jesus in the new covenant covenant with a twist, meaning uh, adultery. If you even look at a woman, uh, you've committed adultery that in the New Covenant, we're bound to that to that uh, guideline, not to the, that of the Old Covenant anymore. And one it, other interesting <laughs> thing he said— Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's pause there for a second. Hold that second part of your question. What, what your friend has made the error is that adultery has always been what Jesus taught. Jesus wasn't teaching something new. He was correcting the false teaching of the day. Adultery was always physical and spiritual. So Jesus isn't adding something to it. He is drawing out. You guys have been mistaught. Remember, in each time Jesus refers to that, he says, you have heard it said, but I say to you. The religious rulers of the day were teaching in such a way uh, and even redefining adultery, and Jesus was bringing them back to the very heart of God himself because he is God himself. So your friend makes a great error by defining it that way, number one. What's the rest of your question? But wasn't Jesus fulfilling that uh, don't commit adultery? He was bringing the full meaning to it? He was bringing the full meaning that that always existed. He wasn't giving new meaning. This was always the heart of God. This was always the intent of God. Very nice. I get that. He also said that into the new covenant, uh, Jesus never didn't carry over keep the Sabbath, and and I, the way I took that is well, you you can worship anywhere at any time. There is no Correct. specific day or time for you to worship. So uh, he said in the New Testament, Jesus doesn't carry over uh, the fourth commandment of uh, keep the Sabbath. That's because that's because he is the Sabbath. So by faith in Jesus Christ, you are keeping the Sabbath, because he is the fulfillment of the Sabbath. No longer do we have a Sabbath day, we now have a Sabbath God. That's outrageous. I just love that. Okay. And then one more thought about about your first part of your question. In the New Testament, in the New Covenant, to worship the Lord your God and Him only is repeated 50 times. Idolatry is condemned 12 times. Profanity, 4 times. Honor your parents is taught six times, murder six times, adultery 12 times, stealing four times, false witness four times, covetous nine times. So the new covenant carries over the moral laws of God that never change. Change. And this fits in line exactly with your previous call. That's excellent. Yes, that's a great follow-up question. Thank you, Pastor Ed. It's always a pleasure to catch you on the line. Well, thanks for calling. Bye-bye. 
All right, we're coming up to the end of today's program. So good for you to join us. Grateful that you would uh, give us a little bit of time uh, today. I got a text question. You think the rebuilt temple uh, will be in our lifetime? It's a big possibility. Absolutely, the third temple. We're going to go to Israel not too long from now, and there are those that are ready to rebuild it. We take a tour of the Temple Institute, and it gets wackier and wackier every time we go. There are people seriously ready to rebuild the temple. And some theories of rebuilding the temple with the Antichrist on the scene uh, is that it will be just to the south of the current Dome of the Rock so that the Dome of the Rock would stand in the court of the Gentiles. Imagine that. We were just teaching that in Daniel, which, by the way, we are in Daniel tonight, and the Antichrist is a big part of our studies uh, and will be for the next few weeks Uh, looking at this fascinating person in relation to Daniel's dream. So come on out to church tonight. We love our midweek services. They start at 7. Come early. Resurrection Coffee's open. Uh, We're still not serving meals yet, so bring your dinner if you want. There's a whole cafe downstairs. Uh, Come early. Doors open at 6. We'll be studying the Bible together. We'll be worshiping together. We'll be praying together. And we'll be encouraged in the joy and admonition of the Lord. So thanks for uh, joining us. Thanks for being a part of Grace FM. Thanks for your support. Go to gracefm.com if you want to give or support your local station wherever you're hearing this. God bless you. See you tonight at 7. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.